This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome back into the door report episode 250 25% of the way to a thousand episodes. I am Will Byram joined as always by my loyal co-host Trevor Hewlin here at the door report. We are sponsored by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. If you're a first time home buyer or looking to move homes in the Nashville area, Corey Perkins is your man. You can reach out to Corey via phone call or text at 615-967-8623. Or you can reach out to Corey via email at Perkins at Realtracks.com. Realtracks spelled R-E-A-L-T-R-A-C-S dot com. Trevor, is this TDR after dark? Are we considering it TDR after dark, even though it's not 6 p.m. yet on November 29th, 2023? I think TDR after dark is like once it hits 8 p.m. It should be. I think so. Even it, though it is technically after dark. It is after dark, but it's not after dark. I don't think there will be too many F-bombs flowing out during this 2023 <laughs> Vanderbilt you football never know, season recap. That is going to be a bulk of this episode is going to be recapping the fun, fun football season that all Vanderbilt fans out there got to witness. Me and Trevor are going to be joined by friend of the pod, former Vanderbilt offensive lineman Blake Fromang. He'll be joining us to try and make sense of what we saw this year. Vanderbilt football going 2-10 and ten with not a ton of hope on the horizon, but we'll dig into that in segment two. Before we get into that, we have the Vegas showdown to recap, or what I've been calling it, the Vegas letdown. And then with Blake, are we going to do this with Blake, a quick Tennessee Vanderbilt recap? We can. Yeah, good idea. We'll do that. There's not as much well to recap Blake. other than the fight. Pretty much, pretty boring performance. And then uh, we'll get into a little bit the roster movement that we've seen. Even though, even though I don't even think the transfer portal is like officially opened. I don't believe so. No, there's still already an insane amount of roster movement, not just with Vanderbilt, but across the country. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to watch. So we'll recap that a little bit. But Trevor, how are you feeling right now? Basketball team at three and three. Vanderbilt football. I don't want to say in shambles, but a lot of stuff going on. How how are the vibes currently? I tell you what, dude, my vibes are great because can you read my hat? Vanderbilt women's <laughs> if basketball. If you can't read this, Vanderbilt women's basketball, 7-0, taking on NC State, number five in the nation. My girls are going to get it done, I believe. Shout out to Shea Ralph and Shea We Trust. Um, outside of women's basketball, Vanderbilt Athletics is dead. Yeah. It's dead as a doornail, brother. 
I'm going to be honest. I, I'll keep up with them. Shout out to the ladies. I'm not going to go into that rant. Undefeated. Jordan Cambridge, dog. Oh, 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 oh. dog. Oh. They are, Trevor's paying attention a lot more than me. They are, I believe, like 20 point underdogs. 21 and a half. 21 and a half point underdogs tonight against NC State. What a terrible scheduling conflict that has been pressed upon Vanderbilt fans. <laughs> The Vanderbilt men's basketball team playing later tonight at 8.15 in the ACC-SEC Network Challenge against Boston College, conflicting with the undefeated Vanderbilt women's basketball team taking on NC State. Am I correct in that statement? You are correct, indeed. I'm getting all the teams mixed up because Vanderbilt just lost to NC State on the men's side of things in the Vegas letdown. But before we get into all of that and much more, don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Door Report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for segment one of TDR. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You ready, Trevor? Ready to ride, brother. Let's ride. Welcome back into segment one of TDR. It's time for some hoops talk before Blake Fromang joins us here in segment two to get into the 2023 Vanderbilt football season recap. Trevor, the Commodores traveled out to Vegas and we discussed on episode 249 that this is an opportunity for this Vanderbilt basketball team to not turn the season around, but to right the ship and get back going in the correct direction. Absolutely. Go up there, win a couple games against good opponents, decently highly ranked in the Ken Palm. Not not anything crazy, but power five conference opponents. Yeah. And Vanderbilt went up there and went 0-2 and was pretty much dominated in those two games. The final score wasn't so bad against North Carolina State in game one. Vanderbilt lost 84-78. to And in game two, the following day, playing Arizona State, the team was thoroughly dominated by a not very good Arizona State team, losing 82-67. to NC State, decent team, ranked number 72 right now in Ken Palm. Arizona State, objectively watching them, not a good basketball team this year. Not good offensively. No. Was dominated by BYU in that first game. Looked inept on offense in that first game. If anybody watched it in the Vegas showdown, Arizona State's probably not a tournament team. No. And they were better than Vanderbilt in almost every single facet of that game. Yeah, absolutely. I think it helps whenever you have a coach like Bobby Hurley. I don't want to discount him. Uh, tough as nails, as John Rothstein does say on Twitter. Um, he's a great basketball coach. Um, but, yeah, they just – they're not the team – that's not a team that Bobby Hurley typically throws out there. Definitely lacking in talent compared to his other teams. Um I was hoping that Vanderbilt would put up a fight against them because I thought the talent level was would be pretty comparable going into this ball game, um, and I think it might have. I think it still might be as crazy as that sounds, but Vanderbilt just showed a complete and total lack of effort. Just lazy basketball. It looked like they didn't want to be there. And to preface this, Vanderbilt's starting point guard, star stalwart point guard. Ezra Mignon was out both games, mm -hmm. probably due to that same injury we saw him play through at the end of the what Western Carolina? 
my mind. Um, Who did they play? I'm brain farting right now. UNC, no, not not Greensboro. Greensboro. Um, I don't have the schedule. In Jesus front of me. Christ! It was a Friday Weird. night ball game. Is it Western Carolina? It wasn't a Carolina. Team. Central Arkansas. Central. <laughs> Central. Okay, fact fact checked me on this, producer Phoebe. Phoebe. Western Carolina is also purple. That's what threw that me off. Correct. Central yes, Arkansas is purple. Too. That is what threw me off. So I was at least color associating Phoebe correctly. Wants some loving right now. Yeah, she does. She is getting right up in this mic if you're watching on YouTube. But he was obviously injured in that. Swelling got worse. Wasn't able to go in the Vegas showdown. The offense looked horribly disjointed. Even with Tyron Lawrence, Vin Allen Lubin, both back in the lineup. The offense needs Ezra Mignon. Yeah. I, I think Tyron is the whipped cream, the sprinkles, the chocolate syrup on the Sunday. But as far as the this this analogy is not going to work. As far as the straw that stirs the shake, straw that stirs the drink, that's Ezra Mignon. Ezra's the ice cream. Yeah, he yeah he's the he's base. The he is the base of this team. So not having Ezra out on the court, it's hard to evaluate too much. This season's expectations already falling down the tubes mm -hmm. in front of our eyes Ezra out Tyron was back Tyron Lawrence looked awful looked terrible was not a hundred percent no he was the team's leading scorer against NC State I know that but Tyron was not at a hundred percent max he was at 70 percent uh-huh then Alan Lubin looked pretty good mm -hmm. uh overall he's just not a five man then Alan Lubin is not a five no and that was prevalent in the NC State game Vanderbilt is undersized this year. Yeah. As we talked about over and over in the preview for this Vanderbilt basketball season, you could see the issues already on this roster before the opening tip of the season. Mm -hmm. And the first issue is Vanderbilt doesn't have size. Yep. And NC State just dominated Vanderbilt on the inside. What was the guy's name? DJ Burns. DJ Burns. Former Tennessee Vol. Just obliterated Vanderbilt. He was just big. <laughs> he's been eating. He's been eating that Carolina barbecue. That's a big boy. That's a and big he, boy. And he manhandled Van Allen Lubin. He made he made Lubin look like a child. Well, Van Allen, would... I think Van Allen Lubin's a natural four. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. The only center, and we'll get into why this is in one second. The only true center that they can throw out there is Carter Lang, as a freshman, and yeah. he's not necessarily gigantic on the inside, but no, he's, he's the only center on the roster. We have to get into this. Vanderbilt loses both in the Vegas showdown. They take on Boston College tonight. One and a half point favorite over under at 145, I believe. But Lee Dort was arrested on charges of domestic assault. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And strangulation. That is unfortunately correct. A dispute. We won't dig into it too much. Information will come out as it comes out. But he was arrested soon after the team arrived back in Nashville from the Vegas trip domestic dispute with his girlfriend of some kind that's about all the information we have but lee dort has been formally suspended from vanderbilt basketball and just another black mark on this team another bad look for jerry stackhouse mm -hmm. even though we discussed it before the pod i don't like people blaming jerry stackhouse just adding insult to injury. On I would him. agree. It's yeah. it's it, it's Lee Dort's situation. Yeah, it's not. He's Jerry's the one fault. that made the bad decision. He will have to face the consequences of that decision. Mm -hmm. There was no institutional cover up or anything. We had Lee Dort at one point on this podcast interviewing. It, it's not that he comes off as some horrible guy. Okay, mm -hmm. it 
the the legal system will work out and think news will come out of that but that's about all i have to say on that subject bad bad situation yeah incredibly unfortunate yeah incredibly unfortunate but Trevor, I don't know how much more basketball talk I have in me right now, to be honest. There are so many issues to point out on this team. We already talked about size. Shooters. 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 Or the lack thereof. The lack I thereof. Shooters. It, with full health, this roster does not have enough shooters. No. There's not enough scoring. This team gets down, and they don't have the ability to come back quickly, especially when you're missing anyone. On the offensive side of the ball, Colin Smith was out against Arizona State mm-hmm. in game two due to a concussion that he suffered in game one versus NC State. So is there any hope for this team and where do you put the cap on this team at this point? I'll give a brief answer. Then I, I quickly want to get back to you because you brought up a really good point while we were just talking while we were cooking or something Um, the cap on this team right now is I don't even think they're an NIT team. Um. I think this team, as of right, if they keep playing the way they've been playing, even if there is like a slight improvement, I think they're going to get absolutely ransacked in conference play. I, I truly do. I actually think, which I hope I'm wrong, I think they actually do lose to Boston College tonight. So I'm not very hot on this team. But I do want to talk about the shooters a little bit more. And I don't want to steal your thunder because this is your take. And I never thought about it until you brought it up. Can you give your take that you that we talked about a couple days ago on Miles Studi and why losing him is actually kind of a big deal? So I didn't think in and of itself that losing Miles Studi was the worst thing for this Vanderbilt basketball program. I thought they would replace him with another guy that was a shooter and would basically do the same thing. But my take on Miles Studi, call it a hot take, call it whatever, it just is what it is playing basketball my whole life. It doesn't matter if the internal fan base necessarily viewed Miles Studi as a shooter. He was viewed by opponents and opponent staffs and coaches as a shooter. And teams played him as if he was a shooter. If Miles Studi is standing outside the three-point line, opponents have a call on him, whether it's red, like it was for me in high school, or something, that we do not help off of this guy. We have to stay connected to his hip. You don't have help responsibilities if you're guarding this player in particular. It's on a scouting report. You do it in high school. I'm 100% sure they do it in college. And so that opens up everything else. If you have a guy on the court that their man guarding them does not have help responsibilities. Just the threat. Just the threat of it. And that's not something that you can determine internally from your program. It is just something that you have to put on tape that other teams are afraid of having happened to them and that is a shooter consistently getting hot and scoring and right now Vanderbilt doesn't have that every single team is not focused on anyone on the outside on this offense so it's not opening up the lane and inside the three-point line for drivers and slashers like Tyron and Ezra it's not opening up post moves for Ben Allen Lubin and on top of not having shooters on the outside Vanderbilt has no threat to collapse the defense on the inside Vin Allen Lubin is not a post. Vanderbilt has ran their offense with a scoring post for the most part. Inside, they don't have that this year. The offense has no identity and is disjointed. And I don't even think at full health that those problems will be solved. So not having a guy that the defense has to consistently worry about on the outside has a ripple effect on the rest of the offense. That's why driving lanes aren't open. That's why dump off passes aren't open. That it's because no team is scared of helping over on defense because Vanderbilt just doesn't have enough consistent shooters on this roster. And you're not going to create those throughout the year. It's just not there. 
Do you think some teams, not to the extent of Miles Studi, do you think some teams maybe treated uh, Trey Thomas that way? Not as serious, but no. maybe no. No, you're okay with letting him play. They they didn't. I mean, yeah. you watch the. It's kind of like having a receiver with speed mm-hmm. on the outside. It's not that you're going to get them the ball every single time. It's that they have to leave a safety high on him. Yeah, every single play mm-hmm. because the one time they don't is the time that you beat you them get on burnt. That. Yeah, it it's the same thing. Teams weren't scared of Trey Thomas. Mm-hmm. They they were like, hey, he might get hot if he gets hot, then we'll guard him. But he's too streaky. Sort of I, if he let if, if he beats us, he. Beats I talked us about it all knowledge. last year that. Miles Studi didn't shoot well. Teams were still playing him as a knockdown shooter, so it opened up the offense for Tyron, opened it up for Ezra, opened it up for Liam until he got hurt. So this team doesn't have that, and Colin Smith hasn't really stepped up into being that. Evan Taylor played well, probably played his best games of the season, Mm -hmm. but he's not dangerous enough to do it alone. No, And so, you know, I don't want to say six games in that the season is and the hopes of this season are done. But I don't see a path this team makes the tournament. No. No. I totally agree. Anything else in the hoops talk you want to talk about? This gigantic dumpster fire before we have Blake Fromang join us for the Vanderbilt football season recap as Phoebe oh, is sitting on the, on, the Z, Z key. on the Z key on my laptop. Anything else you want to <laughs> add before segment two? Um, just a suggestion. If, if Vandy women's hoops keeps rolling, we need to start talking about Vandy women's hoops instead of Vandy men's basketball. We'll just swing it to you. Well, I, 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 hey. Shout out to my girl, Jordan Cambridge. Yep, there we go. Shout out to Jordan Cambridge. Right after the TDR cocktail break, Blake Fromang will join us to recap a fun 2023 football season. So grab yourself a cold one, and we will be right back. Welcome back from the TDR cocktail break into segment two of episode 250, November 29th. It's officially TDR after dark. There's been some breaking news, Trevor mm-hmm. and Blake. Let me let me introduce Blake here. I Call almost forgot. Go. Yeah, his it, returning as a guest, Blake Fromang. Guest. Thank you, Blake, for joining us. Blake Fromang joins former Vanderbilt offensive lineman, current attorney at Morgan and Morgan for the people. Morgan Morgan for the people. There we go, Blake. Thanks for taking the time with us here. There's been some news that we were discussing that's just broken literally during the TDR cocktail break since me and Trevor recorded segment one doing some Vandy Hoops talk. The news, Trevor, I'll let you break it since it's your sources that confirmed here. Our sources. Our sources. So before TDR started, before we hit record on uh, on the first segment, TDR got a scoop. Uh, that there was going to be a shakeup in uh, the Vanderbilt football coaching staff. We shipped out that tweet immediately after our second segment, as we were getting everything prepped and ready to go. Uh, we got a second scoop from two different sources, uh, both confirming that Joey Lynch has been relieved of his duties as Vanderbilt offensive coordinator. TDR, the door report, can confirm Joey Lynch is no longer on the Vanderbilt coaching staff. So it's coaching. It's, 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 it's search season, baby. It's search season. I think I know your answer to this, but Blake, how do you feel about that news of Joey Lynch being relieved of his OC duties? Uh, never cheer for someone to get fired, but I think it was the right move. I think, you know, Clark, with, with what's gone on this year and everything, this is kind of his last chance to build something and get the right people around him. And 
you know, when you're up against the wall, you got to make tough decisions. So I think he made the right decision. Sorry, you know, Joey lost his job, but to move forward, we got to, we got to, we got to make a change there. So I agree. Yeah. I mean, that was a very diplomatic answer, Blake. I'm not going to cheer for anybody losing their job, but it needed to happen. This coaching staff (laughs) needs to be gutted. I'll cheer for somebody. Gutted like a fish. We'll go through why in a second I have that opinion. It's not based on nothing. It's based on what we saw this season, not just in results and final scores, but where Vanderbilt finished up ranked nationally in offensive and defensive production. It's indefensible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it would be hard for their parents to defend Nick Howe and Joey Lynch keeping their jobs right now when, when yeah. we run through these stats. So, Blake... Thanks for joining. Normally, we would run through and kind of do a real evaluation of this season. Going to be tough to do because <laughs> I would say it's all been downhill since opening stop of game one, pretty much, or at least when you went to the bachelor party. It was all my fault yeah. for the alleged, the allegations, the unvalidated allegations. Al- allegedly. Met. There's photo evidence that I believe to be digitally altered. The jury's still out. Vandy football and basketball suck when they go to Vegas. Basketball 2-0 in Vegas. Vandy 1-0 in Vegas. Vandy football 1-0 in Vegas. I'm so sorry. Um, We should just stop going to Las Vegas. Yeah, I've actually never even been, and I've got to stop going. Vanderbilt (laughs) needs to stop going. (laughs) There's like nine total people on the planet that understand this long-running joke. (laughs) Of me going to a bachelor party at the beginning of the season that never actually happened, was never a thing, being falsely accused as as usual, but allegedly, allegedly falsely. But let's run through the schedule real quick, uh, just to remind everyone of the atrocities we saw on the field for Vanderbilt football in year three under Clark Lee. Game one at home versus Hawaii, the doors came out. Huge victory versus the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Snuck out of that game with a win 35 to 28, then took on their FCS opponent this year, Alabama A&M in game two, beat them 47 to 13. Shout out to Clark Lee. He's figured out two years in a row how to beat an FCS opponent. So I guess that's a step in the right direction. Then 10 straight losses. I'm just going to run through these quickly. This is when a lot of a normal SEC football season recap would be breaking down these games. And where did the season go right or wrong? The season never went right. So Vanderbilt, on the road at Wake Forest, loses 36-20. to 20. Then the loss at UNLV, 40-37 to 37 in heartbreaking fashion. Then a loss at home to Kentucky, 45-28. to 28. A loss at home to Missouri, 38-21. to 21. A loss in the swamp at Florida, 38-14. to 14. A loss at home to Georgia, 37-20. to 20. A loss on the road to Ole Miss, 33-7. to 7. A loss at home to Auburn, 31-15. to 15. An embarrassing loss at South Carolina, 47-6. to 6. And then finally... The game that doesn't even deserve a recap, a loss at Tennessee, 48-24, an improvement over last season's 56 to nothing loss. But the 2023 Vanderbilt Commodores finished 2-10, 0-8 in the SEC. Anything you guys want to add about what you uh, witnessed throughout the season? I'll go to you, Trevor, first. I just want to give a shout-out to these Alabama A&M fans that were at our throats on Twitter after that first game. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but apparently Alabama A&M has a very large Twitter fan base, um, and they kept tweeting at us. This one guy said, you guys are not going to win a game the rest of the season. I'm telling you. And I said, this guy's an idiot. And I don't remember his Twitter handle. I don't even know if he remembers his pod. If you're listening, dude, or you find this clip, shout-out to you. You were totally right. You nailed it. 
hammer meat nail you were totally right um i mean just a disappointing season overall and i think one of the frustrating things one of the frustrating things one of the many frustrating things is not the sec games were close you know what i mean yeah i mean last year and blake we'll go to you on your overall thoughts before we get into breaking down this this season position by position and getting into some of the roster movement that's already happened i forgot the question i was gonna ask but blake you want to give your thoughts on the season right here yeah, I think uh, – so I was watching the Hawaii game. There were some red flags on some things, some issues up front, offensive and defensive line. They were moving the ball a little bit too easy. So one of those ones, I was like, okay, we won. First game, tune-up game, get everyone right. But those issues that I saw in the Hawaii game, we got past Alabama A&M. But remember how that first half went against them. I was like, what are we doing? And then we ended up scoring a bunch of points. And I said, all right, sure. Second tune-up game in a row. We finally play someone who's got some talent on their roster, at least enough to compete with with Vanderbilt more than Hawaii and A&M did. And it just went downhill from there. We got punched in the face, and we just kept getting punched in the face. And, you know, when everything broke down, I wish there was a lot more creativity in the play calling and ways to figure it out. I looked at some of the stats today, and we threw the ball like 100 150 more times than we ran the ball this season, which I was like, why does this stat matter? And I went back to the 2013 season with Franklin. I was like, we ran the ball way more with Franklin than we passed it. One, you know, the run's got to set up the pass. And when you go pass first every single time and you don't have a run game, it's like boxing someone with one hand. You know, it just, it doesn't, they know where you're throwing the punch from and they expect it. So it's, you know, it's, it was just that over and over and over and over. And I think, there should have been a lot more creativity in the play calls. Like, obviously, I'll give them a little bit of creativity. Trying to make Seals a running – or not Seals. Seals, too, but Swan a running quarterback. A little bit of creativity there. <laughs> Took a little bit of a little gambler's choice there. Wouldn't have gone that way. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It just fell apart when the, when the rubber hit the road. Yeah, and you mentioned that this Vanderbilt team just couldn't run the ball. And I think that's the number one storyline I, I want to – hit on to start out this season recap before we get into some individual stats and position groups. Vanderbilt ran the ball 45% of snaps on offense. That's number 113 in the country. They threw the ball 55% of the time. If you can do numbers, that makes sense. Ranking number 21 in the country. Vanderbilt also, even though they only ran the ball 45% of snaps, they only averaged 2.9 yards per carry. So it's not that they didn't run the football. They couldn't run the football. And I think that's something that almost might be being undervalued by Vanderbilt fans is I don't think Joey Lynch or the rest of the staff ever expected the offensive line to just be inept at opening up holes. And then randomly against Tennessee, all of a sudden, yeah, this Vanderbilt team had their best rushing performance of the season. I, I don't know what was going on that on with that. Maybe Blake, you can provide some information as to why the offensive line was able to open up holes against Tennessee's rush defense after they hadn't been able to do it all year. But when you start from just completely being able, unable to run the football, the rest of your offense is behind the eight ball, like you said, like boxing with one hand tied behind your back. So getting into this, the stats here, I mean, Vanderbilt was bottom 30 in almost every single statistical category you can find in the country. They were only scored 20.6 points per game on offense, number 103 in the country. The defense gave up 38.3 points per game, number 130 in the country. 
and the rest of the stats, giving up yardage, yardage gained, all fall within that same that same range. Is there any positivity moving forward on this roster, or or things you saw this season that you would describe as strengths besides punting? Um, there's some young guys that that really intrigue me. Nothing holistically speaking, but there are some particular players that really intrigue me. And I think if you can maintain them in this era of college football with NIL and the transfer portal, if you can bring them back, I, I really like them. Um, obviously, London and Junior, love those guys. Uh, one guy I wish we would have saw more, especially uh, whenever we go to the defense side, is Bryce Cowan. We, we talked about this before the pod. I think Bryce Cowan is a freak of nature. I think he can be a really, really good player. Um, it... it Really, the only positive was the young guys. I think you know what I mean. Yeah, Blake. Any any positives you have to point out? We're trying to keep it light, lighthearted here. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, you can't buy experience on the O line, so the young guys getting some snaps in there, I think, is a big positive going forward. Um, uh, Walter Taylor flashed a little bit on some plays. I don't. The interesting thing is, it's if you're an offensive coordinator, do you come in and say, "I got a game plan," or do you say, "I got Walter Taylor. I need to build around him." That's an interesting conversation. But back to your question, um, I thought Martell Height flashed a little bit. He's young. Cornerback is like offensive line. You've got four other guys up there, so if one person messes, like you can hide fault a little bit more. Corner, you're on an island. If you get burned and cooked in front of a whole crowd, ESPN's replaying you the whole time. So. He was kind of put on island there. Langston Patterson's unbelievable. Um, I like AJ Newberry too. I want to see. I I don't know what's going on when he touches the ball. It's just special. Mm-hmm. Like you, this just did. And and Alexander's a dog too. Don't get me wrong. He hit some moves that were crazy, but I don't know what the hesitation was with Newberry. I don't know the rule now. What do you get to play four games and you still keep your year? Throw him out there. I mean, it's going to hell in a handbasket on the field. Give him the ball and just let him go. Put some tape mm-hmm. on him. But yeah, I, I mean, know. I think a lot of that. I don't think the staff. There were a lot of misevaluations by the staff. I think, and I don't know if there's any other way to put it. I think they thought Chase Gillespie and Patrick Smith basically had the job locked up. That was intriguing. Yeah, and they both. I, I don't know. It, the run game's hard to evaluate because how much of it is on the offensive line? How much of it is on the running backs? That's it's always in combination there. But Patrick Smith and Chase Gillespie just didn't perform regardless of offensive line. They didn't make guys miss. They looked a little slow. And then it was like a breath of fresh air with Cedric Alexander and AJ Newberry. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Blake, I like you brought that up with, I think the running game, even though it struggled so badly all year, there is some talent there that moving forward, you can build on. Blake, either you're sitting very still or you're frozen. No, okay. I, he's, he's still there. No, I, was thinking, about, I, I couldn't I was thinking, tell. I was thinking about what you said. I, I Call agree. the pose. I'd like to see them. I think that's a bright spot going into next year. They got two solid backs that they feel comfortable with. I don't know. There's just not a lot to look at and say this was stood out in terms of individual performances for me. I might be I, London Humphreys, like all the guys you said, Trevor, I agree with. I just didn't want to cover it twice, but. That's I totally where forgot we're at. A couple young guys who look good. I don't know. Yeah, and and we'll get into that in a sec. Let how we're gonna do this season breakdown. Let's get into the position groups because mm-hmm. I've already prefaced it a couple times. So we'll go ahead and start with the quarterback position, and we'll get into the guys that have already transferred out. This is the best place to start. Vanderbilt has already had some news, some names that will be entering into the transfer portal. 
both quarterbacks that started this year, both AJ Swan and Ken Seals, have both entered or will be entering their names into the transfer portal. AJ Swan, of course, started the first what five games yes. of the season. Started yes. the first five games. Seals then started the next six games. Then AJ Swan, for some reason, unbeknownst to fans out there, started against Tennessee. Both of those guys are gone. Mm-hmm. Overall, a pretty disappointing year for the Vanderbilt quarterbacks. I don't think they were at the root of the problems on this team, but even with them not being at the root, it was still disappointing because I think we all expected AJ Swan to take a big step forward. Mm -hmm. That just didn't happen. Now, was he given the proper opportunities to step forward? That's where it gets a little bit hazy, but AJ Swan threw for 1,457 yards this season, 12 touchdowns, seven interceptions, Ken Seals, of course, also entering his name into the transfer portal, uh, threw for 1,183 yards, 11 touchdowns, four picks. Both of these guys were, in one word, okay in my eyes. They were very okay. Trevor Blake, I, I don't know if you want to put a grade on it, but in my opinion, they were C minus, D plus um, overall at that position group. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up. Um their faults and saying, I'm not sure if it's totally them or if there were other things at play in terms of coaching staff, in terms of scheme. That is exactly how I feel. I, I, we've said it on the pod. I'm not going to hash it out again. I, I personally think AJ Swan was given a really raw deal and I, I truly feel for the kid. I'm incredibly thankful that we had somebody like Ken Seals, um, who has given his all to this program. And I truly hope the best for both of them. With that being said, I, I agree with you. Swan had to limit the turnovers, could not. We were maybe this is our fault, but we had big expectations for him going into this season. I'm going to give them a grade of pro of I'll go I'll go a D. I'll go a D. Blake, what do you have from the QB position? We're going to try to give grades to each position. We have not okay. planned these out. We informed Blake literally 30 seconds before we started recording that he had to come up with grades for position groups. That's so, the TDR difference. That's the TDR difference. Never know what you're going to get. Now two-time guest of TDR. I don't – it's tough to calculate it because they were so mismanaged. And you're asking them every single game because the defense has struggled as much. They got it. They're, they're playing, you know, down all game long, and they got to throw the ball all game long when the defense has – you know, they're, we can't run the ball, so they're dropping. They got a nickel in there. I mean, hell, that's that's a tough call. But I'd give them, given the circumstances and everything, and they both got raw deals. I didn't like how they were treated. Give them – I'll be generous. I'll give them a C. I really think they were put in tough spots here. And it's like same thing with a running back with no offensive line. If he doesn't get a lot of yards, you're going to say he sucks. If you can't – I'll give him a C. They could have done better. Like – I think they gave Swan a real shot at the beginning of the year, for sure. He turned it over, but at the same time, he's getting hit every play. Mm-hmm. Can't get he's getting hit every going. play, and he's a sophomore. He's a true yeah, right. sophomore. That That's where I think we were trying to hit on it early in our preseason previews, is we have a lot of hype for Swan, but there's going to be growing pains when you throw out a true sophomore out mm-hmm. there as your starting quarterback that already you know is a gunslinger. Mm-hmm. He's going to have turnovers. And for some reason, that was mind-boggling to Vanderbilt fans that he threw interceptions. I'm like, that's that's his game. Is he's going to make throws that no one since Cutler, basically, you've seen make. And he's also going to make decisions that are going to make you go, what the hell are we doing? That's the growth 
that's the growth of a quarterback. People just forget Kyle Shermer going into his junior season was not the 100% starter. Vanderbilt fans were all behind him. And he ended up being an incredible quarterback throughout his Vanderbilt career. But I do want to ask you, Blake and Trevor, Walter Taylor, a guy's name that we have not brought up a ton, did play quite a few snaps this season. A young guy, big physical freak. I don't really know any of these. Six foot seven, left-hander. The ball looks incredible coming out of his hand. But Walter Taylor this year was 5 of 15 for 44 yards. One pick, no touchdowns. Do you see Walter Taylor as a guy that's actually going to compete for the starting quarterback job? Or do you see him as a guy that's going to be a package type guy, maybe like a Taysom Hill almost, utilized for Vanderbilt in red zone situations? I... This might be a cop-out answer. I don't know if I can really say just based on what we've seen this year. I will say what we heard in preseason from insiders who were at practice every single day, I would, if you trust those guys, which I do, I would probably say a package guy. But then again, like, just put in a tough spot. So I'm not, I don't, I don't really know. Blake, what are your thoughts on Walter Taylor? Um, he's got intangibles. He's fast. He's big. Um, young. Made some good throws. Made some not good throws. I think, honestly, it depends on, one, who they bring in the transfer portal, and, two, what the offensive philosophy is on the offensive coordinator they hire. If they hire a someone who's like, we're going to throw the ball every single play like we've been doing, which I hope we don't do, Walter Taylor – you're not using his assets and I don't, I don't know what his arm looks like all the way yet. So I'm not sure. I think I'd like, I think he can compete. I mean, he's got the talent to compete. He's got the intangible speed like Mike Wright had, which can save your, your ass, honestly, when your offensive line isn't playing. So I give him a shot. I'd say, yeah, I think he's got a chance. Yeah. The ball looks pretty coming out of his hand, a left-hander. It always looks pretty coming out of a left-handers throw. I'm just going to have the hot take. You and Trevor gave diplomatic answers. If Walter Taylor is the quarterback going into next year, we're screwed. Like Clark Lee might as well find a new house and a new job. Walter Taylor is not the answer and will not be the answer ever, ever at the quarterback position. So they better pray to God that Barton Simmons has a plan in mind and that there's a quarterback coming in in the transfer portal. I'll go out on that limb and I hope to be proven wrong maybe by Walter <laughs> Taylor, but I won't be guaranteed I won't be I saw what I saw he only had 15 attempts but he completed 33 percent of his passes and did not look like he was anywhere close to running a full offensive system maybe that's a little too harsh let's move on to the running backs we already discussed them a little bit Patrick Smith is gone entered it will be entering because the transfer portal hasn't officially opened up even though there's all this movement yeah i don't understand it tampering, whatever baby tampering we love tampering here tdr's big tampering fan clark let's do some tampering yeah, yeah. hey Tamper Vander, let's just cheat let's please literally I, i've been saying this for years we, we I, I we put this in the gc i was like vanderbilt is a private institution you don't have to release your financials vanderbilt just cheat. Nobody knows where the money goes. Nobody but, and has if you to just do cheat. Look, if you do cheat, literally nothing happens. No. Nothing will happen no. to you. What are you going to do? Be relegated to being the worst team in the conference? What do you have to lose? We already are. It doesn't matter. 
and talk just about, cheat. And whenever you cheat, your fans love you. Like Michigan, Michigan fans are like, we love Connor Stallions, baby. Let's cheat, Vandy. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. All right. So let's get some cheating going. Let's get into the running backs here. Hold on, hold on. As as, okay. as an attorney, I ethically have to tell you, don't commit a crime. <laughs> allegedly cheating. I, like, I, allegedly. Want, I want a winning season, boys, but watching it from behind bars is not the way to go. I'll take the fall. See, but I do want a winning is, season. So you, you just retroactively take away wins. That's your worst case scenario. I'll go the precedent jail. has already been set by Tennessee. <laughs> If you just hand players bags of money in McDonald's bags, they just retroactively take wins away and give no punishment to the future of your program. If they want There's to no somebody, downside. If they you want can to literally go. You can literally have a gigantic sign stealing scandal, Michigan. Yeah. And but if all that happens is your coach takes a three game suspension from the sideline, nothing else is going to come of that. They're still going to be in the college football playoff. And the he, fans still experience the wins. Who cares if in the record books they strip away a few wins? Let's cheat it up, baby. And Allegedly. Fans, and fans treat you like a god. They're like, Connor Stallions, we love that guy. Also, let's go ahead and put on the record. If there is a cheating scandal, I will take the fall. Uh, we, TDR will take the fall. Candace Story Lee, I will go to jail for this program. Allegedly, oh he's not being serious. This is a joke. I'm, I'm protecting you. <laughs> Blake, you are TDR's official lawyer when we're brought up on charges, and this is put up on the screen. Blake's just going to be like, all right, time to pack it up. Yeah, he just, just start to leave the court. Right. Just started like, my job, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But honestly, well, if they take away like 10 games, that's like five seasons gone. <laughs> that's a good point. The math honestly. isn't on our – Michigan's like, oh, we lost a season. Us, like, that's pretty big. Like, we lost half That's a, a great point, actually. Okay. Okay. I'm still in favor of Talladega Nights. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. All right. Let's get into the running backs now. A few position groups to go. Patrick Smith, entering his name in the transfer portal, was Vanderbilt's second leading rusher. We expected more from Patrick Smith, to be honest. 79 carries, 327 yards, 4.1 yards per carry. Cedric Alexander was the team's leading rusher. Freshman will be back. 96 carries, 371 yards, four touchdowns. Wide receiver, Jaden McGowan was the team's second leading rusher, 18 carries, 109 yards. A.J. Newberry, we mentioned that name, played limited snaps, limited games, 20 carries for 96 yards, highest yards per carry on the team from a running back, 4.8 yards per carry. That's a guy, and the combo of him and Cedric Alexander, I think, next year is one of the few bright spots you can see coming back. But overall this year, we thought Vanderbilt had a stable of running backs. We thought Chase Gillespie and Patrick Smith were going to be the primary ball carriers, and maybe Cedric Alexander and A.J. Newberry would be rotational guys thrown in there. Chase Gillespie was a ghost. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what happened. Return kicks a little bit. 22 carries for 62 yards, 2.8 yards per carry. Overall, the running back group was disappointing. It's hard to put it all on them. There were some issues on the O-line. They were getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. But I would put the running back group in the disappointing category. I would put it at a D-, minus, maybe an F from the running back group overall. I'll, I'll probably go D as well, only because I'll go D bordering on a C-, minus. so D plus C-, minus because I, I, I do really value the spark you saw out of Cedric Alexander. Um and even though I hate to be this guy who's like, oh, I'm boring. Um, even though they weren't 
productive in the run game. I thought Patrick Smith and Chase Gillespie were really good at pass pro. I thought they were really, really good. Cedric let, left a lot to be desired. But then again, he's a freshman, as Blake could probably attest to. I'm sure that's incredibly difficult to understand as you're like a young kid. Um, but overall, I would go D plus C minus in that area. Blake, what are you at? Same thing as uh, as Trevor. I think it's so reliant on the offensive line. You know, you can shake a guy, you can't shake five guys. And I know I'm prefacing probably what you think I'm going to give the offensive line this year as a whole. But, yeah, they could have done some things better. C minus, I just wasn't. There are a couple runs good. On the whole, not good enough. I'll leave it there. Yeah, I, I don't like to individually hate on guys because I don't think anybody goes out there and wants to perform poorly. And I know how much the athletes put into it. Patrick Smith looked like he was running in quicksand. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have any other way to put it. I just expected Patrick Smith to be a game breaker type guy. And yeah. it just never materialized. He wasn't horrible. He wasn't awful, but I just had high expectations for Patrick Smith. I had high expectations for Chase Gillespie. So I was very disappointed in the running back group as a whole. In the same way that I was disappointed in the quarterback group, I thought it would be a step up from what we've seen in the past couple of years. And if anything, it was kind of a step down, mm -hmm. uh, especially at running back. Losing Ray Davis, of course, hurts. A question I want to ask, do you think Vanderbilt tries to find a transfer in at running back to just step into that role as the bell cow, or do you think they run with the guys they've got? Blake's shaking his head no. No, I mean, listen, everyone, as much as there's no loyalty in college football right now, I like what I saw from Alexander and I like what I saw from Newberry. I don't want them because, you know, like wide receivers, running backs like the shine, they like getting on the field. They like play time. They're up there with the egos on those things. I don't want to bring someone in and offend them and lose them because honestly they're good. I think they're good. You, you tweak the offensive line. I think they can take you where you need to go. I saw enough spark out of them and listen, they're young. They still got freshmen, sophomore legs, that makes them get a new strength staff, make some improvements in the offseason. I like where they're headed. I would not mess that up. I would not I wouldn't mess that whole situation up bringing someone else in. I think I lean with Blake, although I will say I'm not opposed to bringing in somebody in the portal. Like if they bring in a guy who tore it up uh at even like a G5 level, I I, I think I would be happy just because you know what, man. The more the merrier is, is sort of my mentality right now. Yeah, I don't think that's a primary group that needs to be focused on. But the offensive line, as we move on to continuing grading down the position groups, the offensive line is a place you're going to have to bring in some guys. Julian Hernandez announced that he's retiring from football. I don't want to miscorrect or incorrectly quote that. Yeah, he's just... He's not using his Yeah, he's not year, using his final year of eligibility done with football. Also, rotational offensive lineman Kivo Wesley has entered the transfer portal. Overall, the offensive line this year, we expected it to be Vanderbilt's best offensive lines in recent memory. It wasn't. It just simply never materialized. I don't have the ins and out X's and O's, what happened. But anybody with eyes can see this offensive line did not perform how we all expected, ranked number 82 in the country in sack percentage given up, giving up six, uh, sack on 6.75% of dropbacks. That doesn't even count uh, just pressures. The running game, like we said before, 
ranked number 126 in the country in yards per rush, ranked number 127 in rushing yards per game. There's not a lot of positivity to give out for the offensive line or this team in general. But Blake, I want to ask you in particular before I'm going to give him a D, D minus. I mean, we had high expectations, so just to throw a grade out there. But how much do you think that was actually impacted by losing Gavin Schoenwald and Ben Bresnan? You know, you brought this up to me last time about tight end blocking. And like you guys, I'm not going to call out individual. I'm not going to call it individual names. But there was a play against Tennessee where there was an outside zone play. And the tight end had to block down on the defensive end. And I watched just the worst whiff I've seen in a while. And he got tackled in the backfield. So, yeah, we need – and I, I was actually thinking about this today. And, listen, we got good wide receivers. Go recruit a blocking tight end. Uh-huh. Teach him how to run a route or two. But we need someone on the end of the line who's all grit and just blocks the hell out of people and just send him on a route every now and then so he feels good about himself. Yeah. But, like, we have wide receivers dressed up in tight end bodies – you know, right now. And I, I just, that's got to change. If you're going to yeah. play with these big boys, like you got to get someone who can block. Yeah, I agree. Will, uh, Will took a pee break, but I'm going to keep my grade short because Blake, I want to ask you an, another question about something you said earlier in regards to the offensive line. I'm going to give them a D. Um, there are pieces that I thought were interesting. I've been a big proponent of Gunnar Hansen. I think he's a dog. Grayson Morgan going forward. I'm not sure he's just so small. I'm going to give them a D, so I'm going to keep it short. But, Blake, I do want to ask you, you said it's it's hard to build, or I'm paraphrasing, but, but it's hard to bring in experience with an offensive line. You need those young guys. What, could you just expound on that a little bit more? If it's if it's like a, all expound, if it's like an all portal offensive line, could that be considered a red flag, maybe from your perspective? Um, I keep going back to the well on this. It depends on what the offensive coordinator wants to come in and do. If he comes in, he's like, I have so many exotic pass protections, blitz pickups, run schemes. If it's like a more simple concept where the offensive coordinator comes in, he's like, here's our playbooks, pretty meat and potatoes. So our offensive, because they all got to communicate. And if one person's off, the play's over. So if the offensive coordinator doesn't really set them up and just gives them too much stuff to talk and discuss and think about before snaps, there won't be cohesion. So, no, I I think, you know, older linemen get the schemes generally. I think they'd be fine in the transfer portal. I I think it'd be okay. I missed Blake's answer because I did not pee during the TDR cocktail break. Big mistake. So I'm (laughs) – I'm just going to hope that that was a good answer from Blake and a good answer from you on the O-line. And, and let's Blake, I got to give my grade. I have not given my oh, grade. Oh, yeah. Yet. Okay, okay. Yeah. Got to give the grade. And I want to base my grade on this because when we get to the DBs, they're going to get a low grade. But saying they underperform more than the offensive line wouldn't be fair because the expectations on the offensive line were huge. And the DBs, we kind of knew that was an issue going in. So – it's graded on a curve with what I expected versus what I saw. And I'm giving them a D minus too many mental mistakes. I just, the penalties were crucially horrible when we were in the, the red zone all the time, you know, gunners really like they have good players. It's just as a unit grade, they couldn't figure it out. And you saw the run score on there and the sack score bad needs to improve. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to go through 
and give grades because they're all pretty much going to be negative. It, we don't want to just be negative for being negative. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the tough balance. But when you saw what you saw over the last 12 games, you see where this team ranks, and then there were expectations going into the season. It would almost be more disrespectful to not give criticism to these players. Because it's like if you're not giving criticism to a 2-10 and 10 season that ranked bottom 20 in almost every statistical category, then you were going into the season saying, nah, this team's going to suck. These guys kind of suck. Whatever. So uh, criticism is valid, yeah. I think, in this situation. Moving on to the group that I think is supposed to help out that O-line a little bit. But Vanderbilt lost two key guys from last season in Gavin Schoenwald and Bid Bresnahan. Had injuries going into the season in Justin Ball. Or, yes, right? That's uh, Cole who, Spence. Cole Spence. Cole Good Spence yeah. yeah, Cole Spence is who was injured before the season. The tight end group. Yet a young buck, Cam Johnson, came in, showed flashes of the playmaking ability he can provide. Logan Kyle, former wide receiver, transitioned into being a tight end, showed some okay signs. Uh, but overall, the tight end group didn't have super high expectations coming in, but they didn't really flash anything overall, whether it's pass catching or pass protection. I would just give this group a C-. minus. They didn't have high expect expectations coming into the season. Didn't do anything outstanding. Also didn't provide much to this offense. So I think there is hope in the future. I think Cam Johnson can be a dynamic playmaker from that tight end position. But number one, he's got to put on weight. And number two, he's got to get a better number. He cannot yeah. be number 48. Is yeah, what he was bad number. Bad, bad number. It bad makes him number. look it makes him look worse and slower than he is. Cam Johnson's going to be a playmaker. It's just whether they can find guys to help in pass pro. Yeah. And and that's gonna be maybe a transfer portal target is that tight end position mm -hmm. to provide a different type of tight end. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's that's a lot to be decided this offseason. I'm gonna keep my answer short and sweet. Uh I'm gonna give these guys an F. I uh, there I mean, there was really nothing to write home about. I think they were disappointing in every aspect. Um, and this is just as a unit grade, so we'll keep prefacing. This is just as a unit grade because I agree with you. I think you saw something from Cam Johnson, but he wasn't on the field a lot. So in terms of Justin Ball, Logan Kyle, left a lot to be desired. I understand that your best guy in Cole Spence was out all season with an ACL. Could that have changed things? Absolutely. Um, but as a whole, I'm just going to give them an F. They were basically non-existent. Yeah. Blake? Uh, run blocking was virtually non-existent. That's half the position. So, D, D plus. Feels like a lot of grades are falling in that D range for us right now. I don't think we've given anything above a C minus so far like at any position group. And defense, I get quarterbacks to C. Okay. 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 Yeah. Quarterbacks got a C from Blake. So, highest grade right now is a C. That's not ideal as you've run through almost the entire offense. But final position of the Vanderbilt offense in 2023, wide receiver. This is going to be an interesting grade because the expectations for this wide receiver group were high. Will Shepard, Jaden McGowan, Quincy Skinner Jr., freshman came in, London Humphreys, Junior Sherrill. Did this wide receiver group underperform? in your minds and how much can you put on this wide receiver group versus Joey Lynch and this offense, just not being able to get the ball in their hands. Ah, 
I think I sit, but I don't want to say it's 50 50, but I think blame goes both ways, particularly. And, and we love Will Shepard. We love Will Shepard. We hope he comes back. The drops were rough. The drops were really, really rough. There was a lot of plays into which I don't know if they used him as a decoy or, or anytime he was blocking, especially in blocking on those screens. Blocking was awful. But you had such, like you said, you had such high expectations from him. You're like, this guy could come in. And at one point early in the season, we're like, he might shatter Jordan Matthews' touchdown record. He was on track to shatter it. Um, expectations were so high. There's a lot of pieces I really, really like. I'm going to shoot. I'll give them a B minus. I know that's high. Whoa. That's very high. I'm going to give them a B minus. Um, I think they were really the only redeemable part about the offense. I'm going to go B minus. I was hoping going into the season I would give them an A at the end, but I'm going to give them a B minus. B minus. Blake, that's the highest grade given out. You going to agree or disagree? Um, I agree. You know, drops happen. You got to factor that in. Like offensive lines not getting lower than an A because they give up a sack or two. Like those things happen. A little more drops than I like. They made some big plays, though. Like, Humphreys stepped up. Quincy Skinner looked good. Will Shepard made some big plays. He made some freak catches. You know what? I got to give love somewhere. I'll give him a B. A B. We couldn't run the ball. Like, they're the only way we scored. So, shout out them. Yeah, it's just as much as the running backs being dependent on the offensive line, being able to open up a semblance of a running lane is the same way that it's like, how hard can you judge these wide receivers when you never really had a quarterback that was able to get them the ball consistently behind an offensive line that could protect consistently. So there were drop issues. The expectations were high. I don't think the receiving group as a whole was as dominant as I hoped. I'm going to go a little lower than you guys. I'm going to give them a C. I, I, I had very high expectations for this receiver group. And I think London Humphreys kind of came out of nowhere for me. I didn't think he would make as much of an impact as he did. I thought it would be junior. Yeah, London Humphreys was the second leading receiver in yardage on the team. Uh, London Humphreys, 22 catches, 439 yards, four touchdowns. Will Shepard led the team, 47 catches, 684 yards, eight touchdowns. Most of Will Shepard's production was early in the season um, with A.J. Swan at quarterback. It's hard to be too critical of them because – there was just not consistent opportunities to get him the ball downfield. Teams were okay leaving their safeties high, playing bracketed coverage on Will Shepard because Vanderbilt didn't have a run game. As Blake, you had on, they just couldn't run the ball. Teams were not scared of them busting a big run play. That limits what you can do through the passing game. So I'll leave it as a C, but I don't disagree with you guys giving it a B because it's kind of hard to judge. I just thought Will Shepard was going to have a true breakout season. And he would be right now declaring for the NFL draft as a first three round draft pick at the wide receiver position. That never materialized. Mm -hmm. So, moving on to defense, this might get a little quicker. We will yep. see the Vanderbilt defensive line. Like, <laughs> yeah, a little quick. Yeah, this, this might, might get, get a little quick. quicker. <laughs> the Vanderbilt defensive line. Let's run through these defensive stats as a team overall. Vanderbilt's defense gave up 38.3 points per game, number 130 in the country. Gave up 471 yards per game, number 132 in the country. Just a reminder, there are only 133 FPS football teams in the country. <laughs> Vanderbilt was second to last in yards given up per game. Points per play was number 129 in the country. 
third down conversion percentage, number 127 in the country, giving up almost 50% of third downs. Fourth down defense, number 123 in the country, giving up 69% of fourth down conversions. Nice. Opponent red zone scoring percentage, Vanderbilt, number 125. Opponent scored on 92% of red zone trips. There's almost no positive. 92%? That's not touchdown percentage. That's scoring scoring. percentage. Just scoring. Really? Because you've got to remember. That's way higher than I thought. Just keep in mind, it's a rule of college football. Kickers can't miss against Vanderbilt. Yeah. So they're automatic. Once you play Vanderbilt, your kicker becomes Justin Tucker. That's it's automatic. So high. I mean, it seems because it is high. But rushing yardage per game, Vanderbilt's D or r- opponents' rush yards per rush, Vanderbilt ranked number one twenty-one in the country, giving up five point two yards per carry, giving up one hundred and seventy-nine rush yards per game. Opponents also completed fifty-one point six five percent of their. That's not right. No opponents completed. Almost 71% of passes against Vanderbilt, ranking number 132 in the country. There's no positive to hit on here, is is what I'm getting at. So getting into the defense, defensive line play, couldn't stop the run, couldn't get pressure on the quarterback. We had high expectations going into the year for Vanderbilt's front seven, but specifically we thought the defensive line would take a step forward. Blake, you brought up a great point last time you joined on episode 242, that this is a young defensive front from Vanderbilt. So maybe our expectations were too high, but overall this defensive line was terrible. They've got to get help. They already have gotten help in the transfer portal and a transfer from MTSU and Zalen Wood. Uh, how many sacks did he have last year for MTSU? His stats were pretty good. He was I know we captain. had two against Miami. Got and it. Pick, I think. I think so. That sounds right. But defensive line overall was terrible. I'm going to give him a D. Trevor, Blake, what do you got? You're going to give the defensive line a D? A D. They're an F for me. An F. They're like, they're right, an D F minus. D they're, minus. They're an F minus for me. It's uh, well, for my grade, I'm going to quote Maurice Richards, AKA Rich Boy. Throw some <laughs> D's on that. D minus. <laughs> bad. I could eat a ham sandwich in the pocket. Boo. <laughs> Throw some D's on that. Hey. Door report, baby. One and only. That was beautiful. <laughs> Throw some D's on that. That's going to be the title of this episode. Throw some D's Throw on some it. Throw some D's on Throw that. Some yes, D's on let's it. go, Blake. There we go, Blake. We have our title now. We're titling our episodes differently. Before we used to do it, we've discussed this. It's been three episodes in a row, and we're going to keep it going. Our episode titles used to be like Vanderbilt 2023 football recap, season recap. Now we're doing it with interesting quotes from the episode. That's it. You've nailed it right there. But there yeah. you go. Sound bites, baby. So Trevor's giving it an F. You got a D. I'm giving it a D minus. Let's go to linebackers. This is a tougher decision yeah. as far as grades go because there was one particular standout in this position group, Langston Patterson. In my opinion, that is the type of guy you can build a defense around. Mm-hmm. He looks like a legitimate SEC linebacker, speed from sideline to sideline, can close those gaps. A hitter. Something that Vanderbilt did not have in Ethan Barr, also gone to the transfer portal. Overall, the only bright spot on this team, in my opinion, was linebacker, even though we never saw Prince Colley. 
Kane Patterson got injured early in the year, came back from that injury to play the final games. I'm going to give the linebacking crew a C-. Run defense was terrible. The overall defense was terrible. But if there is a bright spot to be found, it's the linebacker group, especially if you include C.J. Taylor in that group as a linebacker. I don't really know where he falls as kind of the tweener in that system between a safety and a linebacker. But I'm going to give him a C-. Maybe I'm seeing through gold-colored glasses here. I'm going to give them a B because I do consider CJ as a backer. So I'll preface that. I'm going to give them a B. I abs- I have nothing but high praise to give to Lincoln Patterson. He, he truly looks like an SEC ball player. Uh, man, what a dominant kid. I, I pray to God the, uh, the collective throws the bag at him because he deserves it. You need him back. I thought Kane was really good as well. Um, I thought CJ, like I said, I, I consider CJ more of a backer. Um, CJ was the best player on the entire team. In my, in, in my opinion, I'm going to give them a B. The only real drawback, um, was the rotations. I don't know why in God's name we saw Nick Rinaldi as much as we did. I, we don't like to hate on players. I'm going to Nick Rinaldi should not have seen the field. Ethan Barr shouldn't have seen the field. Having them out there made absolutely no sense to me. But I'm going to give them a B. I thought they were I, – I, I was very impressed with them. I think Nick Lazinski's a great linebacker coach. All right. I'm going to go – I'm going to pander a little bit here. Um, I'd give them the missed tackles. Just I, – I can't even get into the replays how bad they looked. So they're sitting at a D-plus for me. But we need Langston Patterson, and if you listen to this, we need you bad. So I'm going to give it the Langston Patterson boost, which is a big boost, NIL boost. So we'll move him up to a C-plus, Langston Patterson. Okay. Pay the man. Pay him. Pay the man. You heard Blake. Let's move on to defensive backs. This is an easy grade for me. The (laughs) secondary was the number one problem on this entire roster. I don't mean to interrupt you. We're including safeties, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. We're just including okay. DBs. Oh. We're going we're gonna to keep it picked up. We're including Dericky Wright in that. He was a shell of himself due to injury. He's already not the fastest safety in the world and had injury issues. So that was the only bright spot you could even point to at safety. The secondary was awful. It's an easy F for me. Young guys, I think Martell Height shows promise. I think he can be an SEC cornerback. But Tyson Russell was a lot of speed away from being an SEC cornerback. And the mm-hmm. fact that this this staff trotted out this group of cornerbacks and said, yep, that's going to do it. And B.J. Anderson. And B.J. Yeah, there, there were so many. The talent just wasn't there. And it made it hard to evaluate even the pass rush because guys were just running wide open all year. So I'm going to give it an F. I don't ha- I don't want to continue to shit on this position group, but they were horrific. It was awful. It was maybe the worst secondary we've ever seen at Vanderbilt. I'm not going to add on anything at all. I totally agree. I'm going to give them an F as well. I I, I agree with everything you said. I'm going. I'll I'll concur. I'm going F. Any pass that went over ten yards was a touchdown. Like when I saw it in the air and the the. Camera had to move a little bit. I was like, someone got cooked on the back end. And yep. I was usually right. So, <laughs> F. Yeah, I mean, you were usually right. They were literally the second worst pass defense as far as completion percentage is concerned in the country. I wonder who's last. 71, I don't know. I don't have those stats, but 71% of passes were complete against the secondary. Oh so, 
my god it was tough to watch it it's at a point it it i don't want to say this because it will get worse after i say this but it literally can't get worse it it can't be worse than what we saw let's move on to kicker jacob borchilla what do we think of uh the kicker position here i'm going to give it a d minus because i was not impressed Um, but hit extra points I'll give him a C because he hit extra. He hit extra for points. the most part. For the most part, I forgot. I looked at it today. What his field goal was? Um, he's pretty average. I'd say I'd give him C plus, B minus. Yeah, twenty nine of thirty on extra points. Seven of ten overall with field goals made. Three of five from forty to forty nine yards. Three of four from thirty to thirty nine, and knocked down one of one from twenty to twenty nine. So I'm that's not cool. I mean, that's not horrible. Yeah, just it was whatever. It was more of the whatever part of this team that we're numb to. I might actually bump him up to a C now that I see those stats. Yeah, but he also never attempted a kick over fi- or fifty plus yards. So that's he just not didn't his have call play. though. That's it's not, not his call. it's it's not his call, but he wouldn't have hit them. So <laughs> he didn't have the leg. So I mean, it's I had low expectations for the kicker going into the season. I just wanted him to hit under 40 yard kicks kind of did that i'm still giving it a d minus now let's move on to the most important part of this team what wins are built on punting matthew hayball ray guy award finalist matthew hayball i'm giving him an a an a plus for the punting unit matthew hayball the bright spot in a dark, dark two and ten season. Hey, shout out to all shout out to all our Aussie listeners. How many Australian listeners do you think we got? Uh well, we're ninety-nine point nine percent US listeners. So oh. I'm gonna say we might have one. All right, there. you shout out to our one possible Aussie listener, Matt Hayball, our beautiful, beautiful boy. A plus. A plus. Blake, how do you see this punting unit? <laughs> oh, he gets an A plus. I mean, Clark showed, his, Clark showed his hand. As he yawns. As he yes. yawns. Yeah, A+. plus. Clark showed his hand a little bit, said our whole offense was catered around getting the ball in this man's hands. You know, it's like, I don't know, Kobe in the fourth quarter with punting, though. So a little mixed emotions about if that's the right way to go, but they got the ball in our best player's hands. I mean, you got to get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Matthew Hayball, playmaker. All I, right. We just need to – we also need to go over the fact that, that Blake goes – Kobe in the fourth quarter, Matt Hayball. <laughs> Elite. <Yeah. baby. laughs> All right. We've run through the roster. Let's go ahead and give our overall season grades. I think I know where all these will land. This was an F, a definitive F for me, two and 10. I cannot see a way that I saw this season playing out worse. This is about as bad as I possibly could have imagined the season going. Easy F for me, and not a lot of bright spots looking into the future. You know what S stands for? Failure. Fuck, this shit sucks. Drop the F bomb, baby. F for me. <laughs> did you see yeah. the funny tweet of a guy being like, you broke your no cussing rule on pod? I'm like, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> I got to go F. I mean, bad. Uh, but can I say something real quick? When we were watch, when I watched that first drive against Tennessee, I felt it again, boys. I felt back into it. I was like, "Hold on, we're gonna be good." So, no matter how bad this this team can have f's, if they score against Tennessee with one drive, I'm back in. So, I don't know. 
I'm I'm so delusional right now. A conditional F. A conditional. D, you're giving them above an F, Blick. No, they get an F. But <laughs> I had to call myself coffees and no sleep. Being a lawyer, I like dazed off a little bit there while I was explaining it. But F. F. Yeah. It. I want to find bright spots. I want to not give an F to this season. There were small bits of improvement. You know, last season they lost to Tennessee 56 to nothing and it wasn't even competitive. This season, the gap was closed between Vanderbilt and Tennessee a little bit. But it was crazy to watch eight SEC games and not one time feel like Vanderbilt had a legitimate chance at winning an SEC game. Mm -hmm. After last season, they won two against two guys that were drafted in the top 33 picks at quarterback positions and Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. They This Vanderbilt team beat Kentucky and Florida last year. Yeah, And this year they weren't competitive with anyone in the conference. And I knew I was going to give them enough pretty much from the Wake Forest game on. This team, I think the bright spot in this team peaked in around the third quarter against Hawaii when they went up 35-14. to 14. And I think from then on, including the Alabama A&M game, it was all downhill from there. So overall here at TDR, we're giving the 2023 season enough, and we hope for the love of God that 2024 can bring brighter things into this program. Do you guys have any hope looking forward into this offseason, or do you think Vanderbilt football is is dead as the basketball program? It's interesting you ask that, because I do want to throw it over to Blake real quick, because I do have a question um, that I would like to get brought up. I do have a little bit of hope. I think if Clark does make splashes within the coaching staff, then again, I'm prone to being like, oh, we're so back, baby. But if he does make like legitimate changes to the coaching staff, I do have reason to get excited. Then again, next year's schedule is so tough. I don't think it's a bowling team regardless, but I do think progress can be made. You're like, this guy is an idiot. With the coaching staff, and then Blake will get your answer, Chuck Lucy, is it Lucy or Losey? Losey. Chuck Losey, Penn State strength coach. TDR also has sources that he is being interviewed for the strength and conditioning uh, coach position. You know Coach Losey. Tell us a little bit about him. Uh, so when I when I first got to Vandy, Dwight Galt ran the strength program. He's a legend. And Chuck Losey was the strength coach under him. And he is so intense if you've ever seen the documentary swamp kings like they ran that type of a strength and conditioning program i got i got the sweats on the couch watching it with my wife because i was like oh my god i got morning workouts again watching it's like ptsd (laughs) but you know we're in the best shape of our life we're stronger than ever he is the heir apparent to dwight gall took all of his coaching and training He's a good man, but if you want to squeeze every little bit out of what you're recruiting there, Chuck Losey. I don't know the other guys, and I don't I don't think I met him, but I am 120% on board. We need to get Chuck Losey. He's got that attitude from the Franklin era, and we need the attitude era to come back. We need it. No more sitting around like, eh, what? we need people who are saying – we're done doing the same message as Franklin. We're not the same old people anymore. It starts with grit in the weight room. Chuck Losey, first big splash hire. Chuck Losey, TDRs, strength and conditioning coach, yes. candidate. We are pushing for it here, baby. This has been, unless you guys have anything more to add here on the 2023 
Vanderbilt football season recap. I'll ask you guys if you have any last words you want to add here on the recap before we close it out. I'm good to go. Good to go, Blake. Anything you want to add here? Bring us home, Barton Simmons. I know you're listening to this with your family. Barton, <laughs> please, God, I can't keep doing this. There's not enough Michelob Ultras out there watching my weight, but that's what I drink, and I can't keep doing this all the time. Please, Barton. Please, Barton. No, Barton Save Mike. me, Barton. Save me, Barton Simmons. Put on your Stop big boy pants and bring Barton. it home, baby. Bring it home forever. The gold glasses will be on. Vanderbilt football will be back in 2024, better than ever, <laughs> oh, ready yeah. to go bowling. We will be back on the hype train here at TDR. <laughs> Thank you, Blake, for joining. I'm sure this will not be the last time. Blake. Fromang, shout out to Blake. Thank you for joining. For myself, Will Byram, and my co-host Trevor Hewlin, this has been episode 250 of the Door Report, powered by Corey Perkins of Parks Realty. <laughs>